Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Somewhere, somebody is living Lucky's worst nightmare. Oh. Somebody had at some point a $70 million Lotto Max ticket. May still have. That is uh, about to uh, to go extinct, about to expire if they don't show up with the drop uh, dead date on this. June 28th, you have one year to claim lottery prizes, and then they expire. You know, I wonder sometimes if it was bought... Because so many seniors buy lottery tickets, was it a senior who bought it who passed away? Yeah, uh, there's a possibility. It was bought in Scarborough, too, which it hits so close to home. <laughs> and especially if you're one, uh, like I know you're prone to do this, I am, where you just pass a lottery kiosk every mm-hmm. now and then, and you buy a ticket. I, know, I have found old tickets in glove boxes mm-hmm. and uh in you know bedside tables my wallet where you buy it, you know, you fold it up you put it away and then you forget about it yeah and i don't i haven't checked any of those old tickets i mean i find a ticket that that is past date mm. i just throw it out because i can't imagine trying to live with myself <laughs> if i found this one well, isn't there, um, because with the technology now, uh, I have been told by people who sell lottery tickets, you should, get, one, keep the receipts for right. the lottery ticket, which I never do. And uh, two, I, there was a story of the woman in Mississauga where they were able to trace her down by video cameras. So the Lotto Max people have the winning number, and they can trace it to the store that it was sold at. They They actually know, in this case, apparently, that... Uh, what was purchased along with the ticket? Condoms. <laughs> like when, what time it was purchased? What else was purchased along with it? And if you can, if you've got the receipt from that, now I mean, if you've got the receipt from that and not the Lotto Max one, mm. that'd be pretty crazy. But that being said, if you can prove it as your story, then it, the ticket can be claimed that way, even without the ticket. Now, let me ask you this. Would it be tougher for you to live your life knowing you had lost that ticket? Or would it be tougher if it had been Adrian? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I I could forgive Maria almost anything. Right. Over time, I can forgive and forget and move on. I don't know that I could get past that. I don't know either. <laughs> I, and I, I like I know I, I I'd have a very tough time getting past it with myself. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it because how could it not come up every now and then, right? Especially when you've had a few. <laughs> or she does anything. I mean, you now have the upper hand on everything. Well, that's it. And how do you not use that? Yeah. Oh, you lost your keys. Wow, losing things. <laughs> hmm. Maybe you'll find it in a year and a half. She turns to you and says, you forgot to put us in garbage. You forgot to claim $70 million. Some uh, research was done on uh, young adults and how they're taking longer to hit key uh, milestones in their life, like first job, first apartment, first kid. And so some comparisons were done about uh, people hitting the age of 21 in 1980 
and compared to now. Now, 21, even in 1980, was young. That's right. 21 is young. You might be fully an adult around the world at 21, but it's flipping young. I mean, I got married at 26, and I thought I was still too young. Mm. Especially when I saw my young buddy friend single pounding my bar tab. <laughs> um, but uh, first full-time job, over half of people in 1980, by the age of 21, had their first full-time job. Okay. Because not, I don't think, as many were going off to university and college. They'd get out of high school. They'd maybe take a trade or they would just land somewhere. Straight to the plant, the factory. Yeah, yeah. yeah that type of thing. Now, we really do. I mean, it's it's insane how... There was a time if you finished grade 12 or you actually went to 13, although you probably wouldn't if you weren't going to move on to university. But I remember having buddies who, yeah, they finished high school. They got their high school degree and their diploma and... They went to uh, work full-time at the grocery store, heading towards hopefully being a manager there one day. Right. Whatever the case. Now, you find out that a kid's not going to university or college. Like, well, what the hell's the problem? Well, uh, on the flip side, you look at, like, the want ads or or look for a job, and Mm -hmm. you look at all the job descriptions or the requirements of what they ask for. Mm -hmm. And everything is asking for, you know, university or college and and five years experience at entry level positions. Yeah. It, it it is crazy. You ever like you ever see like a librarian job open up? No. It, it's like you have to have a, like a bachelor or a master's in library sciences, which mm. I didn't even think was a thing. Yeah, and I don't even know that you can move up the corporate ladder. As I was just mentioning with the grocery store, I don't know that you can even become a manager unless you've got some university or college education. Mm. You kind of you plateau at uh, stocking the shelves. Anyhow, uh, only a quarter of uh, people today, age 21, have a full-time job. Financial independence when you're not relying on your parents anymore. Just under half back then. Now it's less than a quarter. Right. Uh, are still leaning on mom and dad, and I totally understand why. First apartment, three quarters when asked in 1980. By age 21, three quarters had their own place. Mm. Well, you know, because living at home with our parents sucked. Yes. It was boring. There was, for many of us, very little cable and no AC. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Getting out. <laughs> Wi-Fi. What yeah. was that? Yeah. Uh, um, and and that's part of it. Yeah, we, we've we made in very comfortable environments at yeah. home. Yeah. Uh, more than half uh, now still living at home uh, with their parents. Marriage. About a quarter were married by age 21 in 1980, next to none now. Right. And I don't even think that's an age thing. I think the whole marriage, you know, we look at the cost of everything, and I think so many people were just like, well, forget it. We're not, we're not spending that kind of dough on a wedding. Does that have a driver's license on there? No, it doesn't. Because I would even be surprised. By 20, oh, by 21, right? By age 21 now. Yeah. You still find a lot of, a lot, of a, a lot more kids now than then. Yeah. You know, without a driver's license. This one is very interesting. Your first kid, back in 1980, at the age of 21, less than a quarter of people had a child. Mm. It's about the same now. Yes. So that hasn't changed. You're going to get knocked up, you're getting knocked up. (laughs) The only thing is those people at 21 who were having children were already like married and in committed relationships. Now... Not so much. Those ones in 1980 who had kids by 21 are now great grandparents. <laughs> this is the perfect day for me. It's National Wine Day, Lucky. 
Oh, my. <laughs> Another day that ends in Y? Yeah, and I was actually going to try to put down the bottle for a day today. <laughs> see if my liver could stand 24 hours with no booze. But anyhow... I uh, know. Looks like I got to have a sip. And so people were talking wine, and red wine is our favorite, followed by white and then rose. And then wet. Mm hmm. Yeah. Remember my dad always buying, what was that uh, bottle, German white wine that you'd put candles in and melt? What, white Tower? Was it White Tower? Oh, yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Black Tower, wasn't it? Was it? Black Tower. I guess yeah. it would have been Black Tower. It was a black bottle. And uh, that was the, uh, the artwork. Everybody melt their candles down the side of it. Um, that, that and Jagermeister bottle. That's right, yes. Yeah, that's right. And the top mistakes we make when drinking wine, uh, holding the glass by the bulb instead of the stem. Oh, see, normally people will use a glass, Craig, instead of straight out of the bottle like you. I go coffee cup. <laughs> I go thermos. Straw. My bubba. <laughs> Get it in there with my bubba. You know, people go to resorts now, and the, the, the at all-inclusive resorts, we're such gluttons that the cup they make you drink in isn't good enough. Oh, no. So they you need a liter. Just a massive bubba <laughs> sucking on that thing all day. Dip that right into the, the fountain. Oh, yeah. Just pigs. Uh, how many glasses do we uh, usually have in one sitting? Most wine drinkers say one or two. Right. There's a few who put a full bottle down themselves. That's five glasses. I'm in that category. <laughs> Is it five glasses? Yeah, I guess I two guess. and a half each, right? Yeah. The average person drinks uh, over 11 liters of wine a year. That's up. A year, Craig. Not a month. Yeah, 11, 11 liters doesn't seem much. <laughs> Is a big one a liter? Uh, the, the tall one's 1.5. Oh, I put 11 a month. <laughs> Easy. At least. <laughs> yeah, because 750 is a normal and the big one's a double. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> you, don't like, you don't like to see it when it's written out no, in I front don't. of you, right? I don't like to see it when it's all in my recycling <laughs> box. Clang, clang, clang. I have a lineup. You know you know the uh, off the highways, those scales for transport trucks? Right, yeah. That's like in front of my house on recycling day. <laughs> picking through Picking through my bottles. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's it's the guy who normally rummages through bins and recycling everywhere else on a bike. Your guy has a Porsche. <laughs> yeah, he's got staff. <laughs> people working for him, collecting my stuff. Sorters. Yeah. <laughs> Three and four people say the best place to drink wine is at home. I would agree uh, with that. And uh, most of us say anything over 15 bucks qualifies as a nice bottle of hooch. Okay. Yeah, yeah I would say so. You're, me, I always base it on aeroplan points. But mm -hmm. uh, but beyond that, I think if I'm going to gift a bottle, I'm usually up and look for like the 18 to $25 range because mm -hmm. I feel like that's better. Sometimes when I'm going to dinner, too, and I'm bringing over a bottle of wine, they'll have the small one, which is the classy way to go. But then they'll have the big one. And I'll just think about, well, who am I having dinner with? Like, why are we fooling ourselves? Right. We're going to need the big one. Yeah. <laughs> we might need a couple of the big ones. <laughs> Very sad to hear yesterday of the passing of Tina Turner, 83 years old, the queen of rock and roll. You got the boss in Springsteen and the king in Elvis, and you got the queen in Tina Turner. And when you look at what she did as a performer, and you compare her and her talents on stage, she might not have been the most accomplished female singer when you put her up with the likes of Lady Gaga or uh, Taylor Swift or others. 
but nobody could touch her stage performance. There was nobody who tore up a stage better than Tina Turner. Well, the, the dancing one, uh, the energy, because she never stopped moving yeah. during a show. I've just been watching some concert footage uh, this morning in, in the in memoriams of, of being sent around. And her command of the stage yeah. was just incredible. And, and she's fr- was friends with Mick Jagger. Uh, in some credit, uh, her, I think Mick said, you know, she taught me how to dance. Yeah. Uh, but when you see her presence on stage, you get that sentiment that she, among the top, to ever roam that stage. If you want a, a great little uh, piece of footage, go to Live Aid uh, on YouTube and Mick Jagger and Tina Turner. Uh, when they're dancing together, it's like two twins. <laughs> and she did all of that in very high stilettos. Yes. That's that's impressive. Yes. I can Short barely walk in and dresses, oh, the yeah. whole thing. I can barely walk in flip-flops. <laughs> this woman's up there high-kicking, basically doing a gymnastics routine in uh, stilettos. And, and, you know, not only that, but the life she led to get to that very late in her life career. I mean, mm-hmm. she, she really hit it massive in the 80s, around 84 with the Private Dancer album. And she was already eh, late 30s, early 40s. She had been through all the Ike stuff, and they had had some hits, but it, it, it blew up for her. And she, she had one dream, and she accomplished it, and she had said along the way, I just want to be uh, on stage in stadiums like the Stones and all the big rock bands of the day. And she did it, and she accomplished it not only as a woman, but as a black woman. Mm. And no other woman nor black woman had been playing stadiums as a solo artist. Right. Uh, hugely, hugely impressive. Now, you know, a lot of her music that she did, certainly after she left uh, Ike, was not written by her. She did a lot of covers. She really did a whole Vegas routine after she left Ike, but she needed money to feed children and pay rent because basically she bailed on him in the middle of the night running down a Dallas uh, highway after taking another severe beating, and she had about 36 cents in her pocket. I think, uh, I think they gave, he, you know, she took the kids yeah. or, or he, he sent the kids to live with her yeah. and gave her one month's rent on an apartment. Yeah, she basically said to him, I want nothing from you. I just want to keep the name. He had trademarked that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because she was born Anne May, Annie, Annie May Bullock, I yes. believe, was her birth name. Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of the shames uh, or one of the things that I that I regret in my life, having never seen her live. My parents, I remember, somehow ended up seeing her at the Imperial Room in the Royal York back in, like, the late 70s. Wow. And they knew her, for, of course, from Ike and Tina. My, maybe my dad, he never would have gone out and bought tickets. He probably got them from somebody as a gift, a client or something. And uh, I remember them saying how unbelievably impressed... And there was like 40 people in the room. You know, she she struggled for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And um, if you watch the documentary, Tina, it's on HBO, how horribly she was treated by the music industry, too. These white uh, record label guys, uh, she got a manager. A manager uh, saw her somewhere, a young guy, and he thought, I- I'm going to try to help her with her career. And he went to every label. And they basically said, in the most crudest fashion, what are you doing with this washed up, bleeping, bleeping woman? Yeah. You know, and they would—they just wanted nothing to do with her. And then finally, somehow, he uh, he got one label to uh, to put up the money to produce uh, the uh, the private dancer album. 
And they basically said, all right, okay, we'll do that much. But we're not promoting. We're not pushing. You get nothing from us. Yeah. And it just took off. Well, it had Private Dancer was the, the, the lead or the, the title yeah. uh, single. What's Love Got to Do With It mm-hmm. was on that album as well. You basically could have just you know, retired off of that yeah. alone. But then went on to do the, uh, the Thunderdome. Right. Yep, uh, that's right. Simply nice, the nice. best still goes down as one of the songs played after every championship. Mm. <laughs> that one of those kind of anthems. Yep. Uh, in a, an arena rock anthem, and um, and then she did a Bond movie too. It was a Goldeneye, I think. Okay. Yeah. Two hundred million albums, eight Grammys. Wow. Not a bad career. Signed a twenty million dollar campaign where, uh, with Haynes pantyhose because of. Those legs. Right. Uh, it is said that Rod Stewart wrote hot legs about Tina Turner. Aren't they insured as well? Was one of the, uh, Probably. the stories. Probably. Like a million dollar insurance policy on her legs. And one of the interesting things, too, was the movie that Angela Bassett starred in as a Tina Turner. And I think she won a, an Oscar for that in the, the, the movie 1993, What's Love Got to Do With It? Tina spent so much of her life after Ike trying to remove herself from that story, and nobody could ever let it go. In every interview she was in, they'd bring up Ike, and she would say, I've had such a career since then. Yeah. But that story, they couldn't let it go, and even when they made the movie, she claimed she never watched it. She said, why do I want to go back and relive that over and over and over again? Yeah, I guess in some senses she became an unfortunate ambassador yeah. for domestic abuse and, and triumphing over it. Yeah. She was massively impressive, and so many people, Mick Jagger, Elisa Keys, Diana Ross, and so many more are paying tributes. The queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner, passing away at the age of 83. You like going to the zoo? You enjoy the zoo? Well, if you like the zoo, there's some of the animals at the zoo who also like you. Okay. Yeah, some research was done into what uh, what animals at the zoo uh, like the humans coming around and uh, looking at them. And uh, the top one, an animal that uh, we've spoken very fondly of many times shared odd and strange facts about this animal the elephants hmm. elephants love the humans yeah well i guess they remember you too they do you know we i think we had a, a kind of very sad fact uh, about elephants sometime back that when their teeth fall out which inevitably happens i guess to all of them if they live long enough for it to happen that's a sign they're dying because they don't re uh, those teeth don't regrow and they just end up starving to death. Not really an elephant dentist around. No, and uh, you would think that the other elephants would see an elephant losing his teeth and they go, "It's not looking good for Joe." There's so many like heartwarming stories and videos of, of elephants that you know maybe had been abused or or abandoned mm-hmm. and raised by some human and they see them and remember them. It's it's awful. It's crazy. The flying elephant in Dumbo. <laughs> right. And uh, and then there was the odd and interesting fact that uh, elephants, for the massive size they are, are afraid of bees. Right. Yeah. They are very, very unique. Beautiful, beautiful beast. And uh, they love the humans. Other uh, pets or animals that uh, enjoy people being around are penguins, cheetahs, prairie dogs, cockatoos. <laughs> cockatoos <laughs> grizzly bears and polar bears well i would say the bears and the cheetah and maybe maybe even the prairie dog like the people because they want to eat them right yeah I, the grizzlies i'm trying to remember last time i was at the zoo don't seem to put on much of a display the the polar bears do oh yeah they like to swim around 
and uh, and they've got like a, an amazing enclosure where they can basically swim right up to the glass. Hmm. The baboons always seem pretty interesting. Whether or not they're interested in the uh, humans or not, they tend to put on a show. They certainly do. They like to stick their fingers up their butt and take a whiff and fall <laughs> over. <laughs> Who doesn't? Really? <laughs> I've been known to. <laughs> um, the animal that hates us, ostriches. Oh. Number one. I don't really? know why. I've never asked one. Why do you hate us so? What did we do to you? Right. Really weird looking bird, though. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we mock them. They're tired of being mocked. More animals you might not want to invite to dinner would be uh, certain reptiles, hedgehogs, and kangaroos. Okay. Wait, see the ever see the videos of the kangaroo fighting the dude? Straight out fights. Yeah. I have not been to the zoo an incredibly long time. Actually, I don't even know that I've ever been to the Toronto Zoo. Really? If I have, I was very young. Again, it was an East End thing. We never ventured over this way so much when wow. I was young. I do remember going to the African Lion Safari. Okay. That's more West. It's also a drive through which seems more your speed. <laughs> and I always had a car that was good for the animal. Uh, African Lion Safari. Is it? I don't even know. Are you still allowed to drive through it? Is it still a thing? I think so. In fact, during the pandemic, the Toronto Zoo did a drive through experience as mm-hmm. well, which is... Yeah, a fantastic way to get around that too, too. <laughs> yeah, and I know that over the years there's been, you know, concerns with uh, certain zoos. Some some smaller ones have been closed down because of uh, cruelty to the animals. And there's always been the, the wild debates about Marine World and Sea World and all these other places and how the uh, the whales and the dolphins and everything are, are kept. So you're either a fan or you're not. Um, I think the Toronto Zoo does a, a spectacular job of taking good care of their animals. Yes, of course. And and also, there's an educational side to mm-hmm. it as well, right? Yeah. They, to educate humans on, on how to treat them properly and and uh, and about learning about the animals. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I, we were there a few years back. There's a lot of other things now, exhibits and stuff beyond, uh, and, and rides beyond just the animals yeah. to, to see there. Is there a beer garden? Uh, yes. Oh, good. Well, then maybe I'll You'll venture. You'll be okay. I'll venture. You know what we should do? We should do a reverse... Stick all us stupid humans in cages. <laughs> Let the animals roam around and stare at us. Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.